0: Liebe Marguerite und Familie, du wirst wahrscheinlich okay. überraschend von mir zu hören. Wieder mal zu von mir zu hören. Ich bin mit mir in meinem einen Haum. Ich bin in einem alten Leutehaum. Um, es ist so 20 Meilen in Amerika, von wo ich gewohnt hätte. Ich bin arm aus Blühen, kann nicht mehr viel sehen und äh, ich, das Laufen geht mir an, an schlecht. Ich, die Margaret ist hier äh, nicht zur Besuche von New York und die hat das aufgesetzt, so dass ich zu, zu dir sprechen kann auf der, über das Tape dann ich kann nicht mehr sehen, der dir einen Brief zu schreiben. Sonst bin ich noch ziemlich gesund. Ich um, war am 26. November, uh, 85 Jahre alt. Ich habe die, die, die letzten zwei Jahre nicht mehr allein sein können. Ich uh, habe meine Augen uh, operieren müssen. müssen. Ich habe Katarakt daran gehabt und das hat mir kein Gutes getan. Sie sind besser geworden. Ich habe gesagt, sie wären besser, aber sie sind nicht besser. Und da muss ich mir mal stecken oder gehen, laufen und äh, kann nicht äh, fortgehen, ohne sich äh, jemand bei mir. Äh, ich, ähm, habe einen, einen schönen Platz, das ist ein Lotharische Home. Es sind so, Vielleicht 125 Personen da. Ein Teil von den Leuten sind da, weil sie kein Heim haben. Und ihre Männer oder ihre Weiber sind da nicht mehr mehr leben. Und sie können nicht lang sein. Und dann sind sie da. Es ist ein schöner Platz zu bleiben. Es ist sauber. Wir haben gut zu essen. Und alles, man ist äh, nicht bei seiner Familie und das ist äh, nicht schön. Das ist viel schöner, wenn man bei Kind sein kann. Etwas Kinderzeit, wo man das nicht mehr tun kann. Und dann sag ich jetzt, dass das ist ein schöner Platz zu sein, wo man weiter kann, für unseren Herrgott uns uns zu rufen. Die Kinder sind alle ziemlich gesund. Die Market ist die, die letzte Woche gekommen für ein paar Tage meine mir zu sein und mich äh, äh, zu helfen mit meinen Kleidern und mit äh, Sachen, die ich äh, nicht verkauft habe, an der Seel, die wir gehabt haben. Und äh, das Haus haben wir auch verkauft zu jungen äh, Leuten Leute. und äh, da bin ich dann so da. Und äh, die Margaret ist gesund, die Kinder sind auch gesund. Sie hat äh, aus zwei Engels und die wohnen in Texas. Und hat eine Tochter in Boston und hat zwei Sohn in äh, New York und eine noch eine, eine Tochter in Mexiko bei Chicago. Und die Elstdorfer, die wohnt in uh, uh, Texas. Ich glaube, das geht so Ja, yeah. und uh, die, uh, die zwei Jungen sind nächstes wo sie wohnen. Und die A-Dorfer in Boston. Uh, und die anderen in Chicago. Und dann habe ich äh, noch die andere Tochter, die wohnt auf dem Land, die hat vier Kinder, äh, zwei Buhren und zwei Mädchen und hat drei Enkelchen. Der erste Bruder, da ist ein ein kleines auf dem Weg, und äh, die erste Tochter ist auch ein kleines auf dem Weg. Und nachher hat sie noch eine Doktor äh, in der College und, äh, und die Tochter wohnt in Kalifornien äh, und der erste Sohn, der wohnt in äh, Florida und noch habe ich einen, einen Sohn daheim, der wohnt auf dem, auf dem Land, wo ich geboren wurde und äh, der hat Vier Kinder, drei sind Buben und eins ist ein Mädchen. Die fünf sind verheiratet. Äh, drei, zwei, zwei, äh, zwölf Buben haben ihre Schule äh, fertig gemacht und haben Arbeit. Und äh, der jüngste Buh und die Tochter, die gehen auch noch zu College. Der Buh ist nicht, ist nicht ein Bauer, der hat einen Job in der in a research plant, you see lana. things sometimes I have to see corn or corn, or so. das el in, in English, I uh, chemist. That's his only job, and they're all so well, gesund Here do in, do in the home, there is not so much in the game. They are all too old. The the people are in the 80s. We are poor. They have all uh, uh, the time to play. don't different things, for the church so. We have a, a Bible classes oder biblische Geschichten, äh, wo wir studieren dann durch die, durch die Woche und am Freitag haben wir immer Kirche, am Es ist ein lutherisches Home und äh, wir haben die, äh, verschiedene Pastoren pastoren von äh, verschiedenen Kirchen, die kommen äh, und äh, haben uns, äh, uns äh, Abendmahl gegeben und äh, kommen wir am Morgen die Woche und da haben wir immer Küche und äh, und bleiben Es ist immer Apps im Game, es ist nicht, dass man äh, nichts verdauen hat. Und im Sommer, es ist ein schöner Platz, es ist äh, äh, nicht mehr nur äh, zu einem Reben und alles ist auf einem Flur, man man muss nicht äh, stehen laufen. Und sie äh, haben immer viele Blumen und viele Sachen und gut essen. Immer gut zu essen. Just zu viel, war nicht für alle Leute. Aber äh, ich äh, denke, da leidet es nicht zu so viel. Aber für mich ist es immer mehr, wie ich es so äh, lange essen soll. Anyhow. Aber äh, ich, 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 ich habe kein Gewicht zugenommen und ich habe hab auch noch Verloren. Und äh, die sind alle ziemlich freundlich. Auch sind alle, also also um, äh, sind auch so mal so göttlich sind und andere sind recht freundlich. Das alle noch wie so viele. Ich sehe, die haben zwei Dale dazu. Die eine Teil ist, wo man hergeht und wo man just, äh, um, Der Platz hat für den Schlafen und zu essen. Und die andere Teil ist, wo die Leute sind, die krank sind, wo die uh, uh, Frankenschwestern oft uh, auf uh, um, aufgeben müssen, auf Und sie. Aber sie ist ein schöner Platz zu so sein. Uh, Dieses Jahr haben wir uh, ziemlich gut Wetter gehabt und uh, habe gute Ernte gehabt. Und Korn und und uh, uh, Bohnen haben gut getan. Und unseren uh, um, Platz, wo ich geboren wurde, die dauernd immer Punkens. Ich weiß nicht, ob du weißt, was Punkens sind oder nicht, aber uh, die machen wahrscheinlich hat Ich bin schon von Pungenspeil gehärt und wir um, haben ein großes Feld mit Pungenskapp dieses Jahr und haben gut Glück gehabt mit und haben auch gut Glück gehabt mit dem Korn. Die Bohnen waren nicht so gut, es war äh, zu heiß, ge- äh, wie die äh, geblümt haben und uh, waren sie nicht so gut. Aber das ist gewöhnlich, was sie da in Amerika haben, uh, ist Korn, and soybeans and pumpkins, and a veel high and a fellow von the von the bauern have a links wee and uh and have, have a uh was a dairy farms have uh, a um veel mil milch milk verkaufen uh, others have a, was a uh, uh, beef uh, Äh, warmes. Aha, sie, wir haben Fee, wo sie fett machen für schlachten, für Fleisch und äh, wir haben den Wind, den Herbst, so viel Regen gehabt und äh, wir wohnen nicht zum River und das Wasser, das war so hoch und es äh, ist das Feld da, dass äh, mein Doktor, Mann, der hat Land, um, do know if I was going to go the field. I didn't know if the field. And I didn't know if I was going uh, was the it. It um, was clean, Sonst können sie nicht mit der Maschine neu gehen und können es nicht holen. Und wenn es länger ist, geht es in den Grund und wird mit, uh, mit, um, mit der Erde zugedeckt und verfault und dann kann man es nicht verkaufen. Er hat nicht zu viel so, aber genug, dass es uh, schon ist, dass es nicht uh, rausholen kann, weil man so viel Arbeit neu tut. Hier Pflanzen der und sauber so holen und der Witz drum ist Und nachher kann es nicht ernten, dass man sein Geld wieder drauf was man was tut. Aber so ist es mit alles. Man weiß nicht, wenn man es neu tut, ob man es rausgibt wieder weg oder nicht. So geht es mit dem Bauern in diesem Land, hier. Wie geht es bei euch? Wir haben uh, anderes schönes Wetter gehabt. Wir haben viele Arbeit, ähm, äh, wo, Männer, die jetzt keine Arbeit haben, durch die äh, Economy. Und das macht es hart für viele Leute, äh, für, äh, für Leben. Und äh, das macht es schlimm. Aber es äh, wird auch wieder besser werden, hoffentlich. Jetzt muss ich aufhören, für eine Weile vielleicht will ich Margaret oder Fred auch etwas dazu sagen, für ja, das es absendet. Aber wenn nicht, dann hoffe ich, dass du gutes, dass ihr alle ein gutes Führer habt und dass alles gut geht für euch. Und Wenn du schreiben kannst, dann schreib doch. Ich kann immer jemanden finden, that's lesen kann für mich. So good. God bless you, sorry in English. And uh freulich miteinander. My cousin William.
1: In other words, when we use one kind of knowledge, we're looking this way.
2: I <laughs> to the Do you remember that picture down there just now as the cat line at this time? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to take one of the Bill and Bernie's ones. Okay. I okay. there's one here for me. And if you want to send one to, um, the other one for me to see it. I has the No, but I could find it in the mm-hmm. I'm out now, and can here. And some of them I will just copy, and then mm-hmm. back. Um, mm-hmm. to yeah, I do have one and we window, I didn't find it other than the one um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have this one in your front here. So I'm gonna put that in the too. I me. We were able to find the to go the water and we are saving the We are going to do the the I'm sure sometimes uh, Christmas type of type of I was just going to throw away. you better look again, because I don't know. I'm about first and for o. And maybe you have it, sometimes I don't know. Mm-hmm. But here to i a you, I'm just I'm looking I'm i the, the, the But it was in my room. Mm. Yeah. Have to cut the yeah. Yeah, I don't what to do about that. Yeah, I do Yeah. Yeah, that. I to that. I I I to do <laughs> Yes, I will. I was wondering if I could get one of those phones out and put in. So this picture question. because it's the most recent one we have with two in gold and gold. Hmm. You don't think? But in all this, how about that? Do mm-hmm. you see that? I'm just wanting to get one. I cái going to nó chưa có phần mềm thì it không có cái I don't have a decent amount of dressing. I think it's Yeah, mm-hmm. Now this had J.R. it, but it's an old one. hmm okay, so it's an old one, too. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I'm These are all pretty old, and I don't have any to, down to the I'll take it. 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 i will and then if I can get some more, that, you know, newer ones, I could turn you to, And then we'll take that one down. Okay. I think you could only have two or two. months. I, I might go around in that field. You know. Okay. I don't know who this is. Uh, Patty Brown on the board. Very well, those are sixteen. Let me see. You don't seem to have a system that to that. No, that's good, it's You, put one of these in you mm-hmm. have two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not going to cut that one I was no going to cut it because I need to cut some of When it cuts cut off a chain. I won't cut it off anything. Mm-hmm. Here, I don't care, but... This because I don't know if it's an old mm-hmm. an old circuit. but uh, maybe you I'm not, that's it, you 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 to Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, because I check the out I took a phone But when you know i talking that's what you So I can put this and this uh, the oh Yeah, I like the Yeah, I like the d- right. no, sure Well, you know? I have no? ah, tableia, not, I that I have the no Yeah, you don't want to I'm the I'm doing our thing with Mm, I in okay. mm-hmm. uh, the sometimes, it is just that anyhow. that, that 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 I'm
1: Praise be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God I would like to use for our meditation this morning is taken from the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 12. I will read it in the King James Version. Now I see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. So far the word of God. It seems like only a very short time ago that Margaret and I were standing at this altar exchanging our marriage vows, but. Time has a way of slipping by, and it's a full 30 years since that occurred this year. And in that time, I have certainly grown to love the church and the people here as my second home. And it is certainly an honor and a privilege to be asked to address and to share a word of God with you this morning, Pastor Maul, my dear Christian friends. I pray that the Holy Spirit may guide my thoughts and words as we contemplate his word together. Now that the political conventions have come to an end on television, it is time to think about some other things that have also been happening in the meantime. We are, of course, in a bicentennial year And I know that in New York, I'm not sure elsewhere, but in New York, for $4.95 plus shipping, it is possible to get, of all things, three bottles of bottled air from 1976 from various parts of the United States that you can show your grandchildren. And I know also living in New York that if you pick the right places, you can get this air in red, white, and blue, because some are a little more contaminated areas than others. We are also aware of the fact that we have sent to Mars not one but two very sophisticated instruments to see whether anything or anybody is living there. One of the people that is in charge of this production and whom you have probably seen on television discussing it is Dr. Carl Sagan of Cornell University. I had an opportunity to discuss this program with Dr. Sagan not long ago and ask him what he really thinks will be the outcome and meaning for our lives, for spending all this money. And Dr. Sagan said, if we do not find any life on Mars, then it will truly be mind-boggling. And if we do find some forms of life on Mars, it will also be mind-boggling which is of course a perfect out for an answer no matter what happens. But what he had in mind was the fact that if we do find something there, then we have the rather frightening prospect that we're not alone in the universe and we have to start worrying about what other kinds of people, better or worse, might exist elsewhere. But perhaps even worse than that, if we don't ever find any other life anywhere else, then we are faced with the awesome responsibility that this is the only life God created and we had better start taking care of it in a little better fashion than we have up to now. Some of the people who are responsible for this program told me it is by far the most sophisticated piece of apparatus that has ever been assembled by the human mind. The one cubic foot box that has landed on Mars is so complicated, I was told, that there is not one single human being on Earth who understands the whole thing. It came to me, therefore, that perhaps what we are doing is not looking for life elsewhere, but rather trying to prove to each other that there is intelligent life here on Earth, that we are really smart cookies after all, who can do such a wonderful thing. And when you read our text, as the Apostle Paul sends it to the Corinthians this morning, it has something to say about human knowledge and just how smart-alecky we're supposed to get and whether, after all, we aren't doing things that God does not want us to do. The Apostle says, Now we see through a glass darkly, In other words, with all our brains and know-how today, we still only see his universe as though it were through a dirty glass. And here was a man speaking who was one of the most learned people of his time. He even says, I see through a glass. The great apostle Paul, the graduate of the University of the Pharisees who had taught under the greatest professors of his time. We just see it dimly. Mars shot or not, it's really only a very dim picture. Does God want us to do these things? Paul doesn't say anywhere. We see through a glass darkly and God doesn't want us to look in the glass at all. I think it's a foregone conclusion if God doesn't want us to know something, we're certainly not going to know it. If God is almighty, he can certainly keep you and me from doing or knowing or thinking anything he wants us not to know or do or think. It seems to me what is more clear here is that the apostle Paul is saying there are two kinds of knowledge. There is the kind of knowledge we can attain through our minds and there is the kind of knowledge that cannot be attained through our minds. And we need to distinguish those two as Christians. We can call the one the knowledge of reason and the other the knowledge by faith. Certainly our reason is God-given. I'd hate to think that the devil gave me my reasoning power. God said we are made in his image, meaning what we are able to think and to do is a reflection of the power of God. But our reason is a very limited thing. Through a glass darkly, it says, we are never, ever able to answer with our reason any question, absolutely. There's always a nagging doubt. Maybe we didn't investigate it all. Maybe there are some questions we haven't asked. Maybe there is some information that's just around the next corner. It is never a perfect knowledge. And that is what makes it challenging and great. That's what makes it exciting to pursue it. We want to know. We are born with the desire to know. There is nothing more universal than the inquisitiveness of a child. It wants to explore, it wants to pick up, it wants to take apart, it wants to look at. But throughout life, we never take it apart perfectly. We never know it absolutely. We call that the scientific method. It is never sure. And if there's anything difficult to teach in science class, I find this to be the case, it's to put across to the students that science is not a bunch of knowledge, but science is the search for the knowledge. Everything becomes outdated. Nothing is permanently certain. I was reminded of that recently in my own area of studying the stars and the sun. We thought for a long time since about 1950 that we knew how the sun shines. In fact, we even gave a man a Nobel Prize with a $120,000 cash-free gift for telling us why the sun shines. Then about two months ago, scientists in Nebraska said they've discovered a flaw in that theory. There are certain things that ought to be dropping out of the sun called neutrinos that we ought to be able to capture. So they built a neutrino trap in Nebraska underground and waited for two years and there weren't any neutrinos. Now either the trap is no good or the theory is no good. And scientists are now saying the theory has to go. The man can keep his hundred thousand but his theory is wrong. We have to look and find out why the sun does shine and we don't know. Paul Harvey said a few days ago on television that it's beginning to look on Mars as though the conditions for life have been there, but there is no life to be seen, and that scientists are beginning to say all the theories about how life developed may be wrong, that the whole theory of evolution has to go by the boards and we have to come up with something new, which certainly shows that people who put their faith in a theory are going to be high and dry somewhere. And then Paul Harvey ended up by saying, wouldn't it be strange if these scientists would have to go to the Bible and read what the Bible says about how life started on earth. You see, our knowledge by reason is, by the very way in which we acquire it, never absolute, always limited. It can be taught. You can teach a person how to go after information. You can learn that method. It doesn't always require a great deal of thinking. We used to have a saying in school that a lecture is the process whereby the notes of the teacher become the notes of the student without going through the mind of either one. And unfortunately, much of education proceeds in this fashion. But we're talking about acquiring limited knowledge. This is not to say that it is not God-pleasing Certainly what distinguishes us from the animals is that we can reason, we can write, we can record our history. You've never seen an animal write down something for his children to learn. Only humans do this because we are to benefit by our past. But we are not to confuse this with saying that because it's imperfect, it's not God-pleasing. Paul doesn't say that it's wrong to look into the glass. He just says it's a dirty glass. We don't see very well in it by this method of finding out things. We shouldn't let our prejudices guide our Bible study. Not long ago, Dr. von Braun, one of the people who was responsible as much as anyone else for putting people on the moon, told the story that before the first expedition to the moon, A woman came to him and said, Dr. von Braun, she's a student of the Bible and she's very concerned that we ought not to be flying around in space. And therefore, because the Bible in her mind doesn't want this, she bets him that we will not get to the moon. Von Braun, who is also a member of a Christian church, told her, Madam, I read the Bible too. And I have not seen where it says you shouldn't go to the moon, but I've seen several places where it says you shouldn't make foolish bets. We have a way, you see, of taking what we already like and know and projecting it into God's word and saying, ah, that's what God wants us to do. There is more, you see, than this kind of wisdom that we see through a glass darkly. The apostle goes on and says, then face to face. What does he mean by then? He explains it again. Now I know in part, then, shall I know even as also I am known. He's saying there's something else you've got to know. It is not that your reason leads you away from God. It is simply that your reason cannot reach God. God is irrational. He is above it. And therefore we can't find it by ourselves. He has to tell us. You can't prove that God is there. You can't even prove that he's not there. God is above proof. If you could prove God is there, then somebody else with a new theory would unprove that he's there and you'd be left pretty high and dry. You don't believe in God because you can prove him. You believe because, as the Proverbs have it, we need not only wisdom, it says get wisdom, but it says with all thy getting, then get understanding. Understanding is something beside wisdom. The smartest person in the world does not yet have understanding, and a person who has no smarts at all still is in need of this thing he calls understanding. Well, if we can't get this understanding by ourselves, where does it leave us? God says, I have to give it to you. I have to prove something to you that you can't prove. If it's beyond reason, then you have to listen to me. I gave you reason, but I'm giving you something else. You must acquire it by faith. And the apostle defines that too. In Hebrews he says, Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the proof of things you can't prove. There's no sense shaking your neighbor by the throat and saying, can't you see there is a God? No, you can't either. God has to show you there is a God. God has to show it to him. He doesn't ask us to go and convert our neighbor. He asks us only to witness to him, to plant the seed. He only can give the increase. He only can give it to us He only can give it to others. Now I think as Christians we sometimes fall into this discouraging concept that there are two kinds of people, those that have faith and those that live without faith. There is no such thing as a person who has no faith because without faith you are not a person. If you live by reason alone, you're a machine. Everyone believes in something. You either believe beyond proof that God exists and that he sent his Son to save us, or you believe, and it takes just as much faith, or you believe that there is no God. That takes a lot of faith because you can't prove it. It's beyond proof. Or you believe you just can't tell. Those people are agnostics. They say, that's my belief. But we all believe. It's not that a person with belief is less rational. It's that everybody needs faith in order to live a life. But God is telling us, I want you to have the faith that only I can give. Now it is a unique thing, this Christian faith. There are great many faiths in the world. It is really rather interesting that every kind of civilization on earth looks for God. If anything gets close to proving that God is up there, it's that no matter where you go in the world, how sophisticated, civilized, or uncivilized the tribe is, they look for a God. And yet there is one that is totally different. All the religions of the earth are based on sacrifice, on making it up to God for something man has done, except ours. It is so irrational and unbelievable that we couldn't have thought it up ourselves. God said, you offended me, you sinned. Now I'm going to forgive you and make it up to you. How totally unlike daily living. Somebody offends you. The telephone rings. You tell the person, I forgive you for what you have done and I'm going to make it up to you for offending me. That's not human. It took God to think that up. And he says, out of this love of mine, I want you to form a way of life. Now when you see what I have done, Now think it over. Put your reason into it too. Now what should you do because of this? In the revised version that's printed in your bulletin, the text has it even more clearly than in the King James that I read. It says in the the version I first read, I see through a glass darkly. The revised version gets closer to the Greek word. It says, now I see in a mirror dimly. When we look into a mirror, we see a reflection from behind us. If the mirror is not very clean, we don't see it very well. But if we are going to see what the object is really like, we have to turn around from the way we were looking into the mirror and face God directly. That is what this God-given faith does. It turns us around. You can't get to God by walking in the direction of the mirror you have to turn, you have to convert. And what a change that makes when God comes into the heart with that kind of face-to-face confrontation. Not that we say, well, this is a tentative theory that God exists, that I'll kind of go to church just in case there's something to it because I'm getting older, I don't want to take any chances. That's not faith. Faith is what the apostle wrote to Timothy when he said, I know whom I have believed. Not I have the conclusion from the data, but I know. Job said it, and this is even more remarkable in view of the fact that Job lived long before it even happened. Job prophesied in this case, I know that my Redeemer lives. Christ had not yet even come, and he knows. It's not open to debate. It's his conviction. He has it as the basis of his life. And at that very moment, when we leave the mirror where it is and turn around and face God directly, that is the beginning of eternal life. Not someday pie in the sky by and by that we will have everlasting life. Jesus himself said, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Right here in this church, our daily lives, all week for the rest of our lives, this is eternal life. It's part of it. It's not something we should suffer through because we're going to get a great reward later on. We have eternal life. Now certainly that kind of knowledge which comes only as a gift of God by faith, cannot leave a person unmoved. It is not something that we can just do mechanically. Rational knowledge is neither here nor there. You know that the sun is up there. It doesn't make your life much different one way or the other. But what you do with your knowledge and with your life is motivated by the love of God through Christ. Recently there were a number of Nobel Prize winning scientists in convention in Minnesota. I had the privilege of being there as a reporter to hear these people talk on the topic the future of science. Thousands of observers from colleges were there to hear where are we going next? What's the next great breakthrough in our way of life? One after the other of these people arose and said, we have no more answers. There is no scientific answer to pollution. There is no scientific answer to starvation in the world, to overpopulation, none of these problems. We've come to the point where we have to start looking for answers in people. Unless people work together and agree that we need solutions to problems, unless we change their thinking and hearts, then Even some of them said our civilization may not endure. One said science can invent something. Say a knife. A knife is an invention. But whether you use it to cut a person's throat or a piece of bread depends on your motivation. And God is telling us, I have loved you. Now you figure it out what you are to do with the people you live with. Remember how he changed Peter, a coward standing in front of a fire and a maid who asked him, do you know Christ? And he cursed and swore, he said, I never heard of him. A few weeks later, this same Peter stood in front of the officials who were trying him for his life. And he said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What happened to him? He changed. He had put away the mirror he was facing God face to face. Two great gifts of God, our ability to think and reason, and his gift of faith. One enriches and ennobles our lives and our thoughts and makes us truly human. The other provides eternal fellowship with God, makes us truly divine in a way that our neighbor will want to see and do the same thing. God give us the strength to share these gifts of reason and faith to his glory and to our eternal welfare, amen. Now may the peace and knowledge of God which surpasses all that we can know or think be with us through Christ Jesus now and through the rest of eternity, amen.